Tonight on Movie Cinema Film Club, we continue our summer movie blockbuster series with Ridley Scott's Gladiator. So sharpen your sword, lace up your sandals, and let's get entertained! Okay, okay, MCFC, it's time for another episode. We're so glad to have you all here. I've got my two besties, uh, the Shofakus. Yes, are you there, Shofakus? Shofakus here! <laughs> and I've got uh, Team Commodus. Commodus? Commodus. Ah, Team Commodus. A.K.A. Commodus. Joaquin Phoenix, that... A.K.A. Greatest Living Actor, according to one out of the three Oh, my books. God. His name is Bo. I can't. I can't read. I can't read. Team um, Commodus. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, of course, I am Bo, and we are very excited to be here. Um, to be honest, I was a little skeptical of this this week's movie because I saw it way back in the way back, but we did it anyway, and I'm glad we did. <laughs> um, before we get into that, as always, we want you to know a little bit more about us and our lives. So, what are our dailies, guys? Britt. Give it to us. So this isn't on purpose. I don't know why my dailies keep uh, being film related, but I think it's appropriate considering this is a movie, cinema, film podcast. Uh, but it just so happened to come up in conversation last week uh, that I had a very intense but brief obsession with the 50s when I was like that nice preteen, early teen age. Uh, the music, the movies, the clothes, the design, just all of the things, right? And then later that day, I'm scrolling through Instagram and see a movie clip from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes starring, starring Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell. And I was like, you know what? I think this is a sign from the universe. I haven't seen this movie in, you know, probably 20 years or something. And so I sat down that night and watched it, not really knowing what to expect because it had been so long, but my goodness my heart was filled with so much joy watching this movie not only because it is absolutely still fantastic um but I just had such a fun time watching it it just like reaffirmed that like deep love of film that like when something just hits you so hard and just like the songs are fantastic the clothes are amazing the choreography it's funny as hell like I just was sitting there smiling ear to ear Rewatching this movie for the first time in so long, and it just hit me in all the feels. And if anyone out there has not seen Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, um, please do so. And I hope it fills you with just as much joy. So that was that was the highlight for me of that, this past week. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go next. <clears throat> you know, we all have these uh, albums of of sound music that we love and have hit us in the right times in the, all the right feels. Mm -hmm. And recently there was a reissue of an album that I fucking love. And at the time kind of changed me. It might not change you, but I just wanted to give a shout out. This is my daily of the week. I got the reissue, the deluxe reissue of Jim James Ooh. regions of light and sound of Ooh. God. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very excited about it. If you haven't listened to Jim James, he's a lead singer of my morning jacket if you haven't listened to my morning jacket 
what are you doing with your life? Get out there and check out this album. That is Regions of Light and Sound of God. It's an amazing album, and it's got an additional eight tracks or something that wasn't released before. So uh, that's my daily. Ian, what's yours? Well, we, you know, and I think I speak for all MCFC listeners when I say not, they don't prefer blondes. Gentlemen prefer Brit. And I think I speak for all the MCFC listeners that's, you know, we love My Morning Jacket. What a reissue. What an excellent album. That has, what is that, A-E-I-O-U? Is that a track on that album? Wow, it's so good. Oh. Bo, can you do your best Jim James impression? Uh, it's just me doing the muppetest of Muppet voices, honestly. Really enunciating yeah. he reminds those me of a T's. Muppet. Yeah. He loves yeah. a hard I- I'm not going to do the impression. Yeah. I won't do it. Okay. I won't do it. Just but I'm just going to tell you. Any of this have to do with your daily, Ian? What's going on? Yeah. How, how is this your segue? <laughs> this is this is classic Ian stalling. <laughs> well, uh, so my daily, in the year AD 2022, the month of July, I, uh, I went, the best thing that happened last week. Oh, uh, my God. I went to a fancy dinner. I went to a really fancy restaurant in Dallas called Petra and the Beast. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't normally do this, but it's like super, you know, like for foodies and like exotic small portions and multi-course thing. And it's like a really, really, really food forward restaurant. And you both know I am very cheap. And why I love this experience is because it's B-Y-O-B. That's oh. right. And that's my daily of the week. I love fancy restaurants that I can save money by bringing my own booze. And so thank you, <laughs> Petra and the Beast, because it's not that painful when you walk out on the, the dinner. The dinner bill is not that bad because you're not adding 50 to $100 in alcohol. So I was like, awesome. Wow. So I so, love that. So that was the best that thing. Cheap. That, <laughs> yeah. That it that I did not break the budget. I did not break wow. the budget to ta- <laughs> to go on a fancy you. dinner. Uh all right. <laughs> Let's get into the review of this movie. We've got Gladiator and because yes. it's Brit's week, Brit Brit. <clears throat> Let's get get. Let's get get. But uh as we sometimes do, before we get into our discussion, uh, I would like to pause for a word from tonight's sponsor. Are you tired of wrapping up a long day of servitude and schlepping it all the way to the Coliseum just to see the same old battle reenactments? Then come on down to Rome after dark. That's right. Rome AD is the hottest new club just off Caesar's Turnpike where the armor is optional and the incest is encouraged. We dare you to try our new drink special, the Maximus. It's equal parts Red Bull, red wine, and blood. Drink the Maximus at your own risk as it is definitely not approved by the Emperor's physicians and comes with a 98% risk of death. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you very Amazing. much to Rome AD. Uh, cannot wait to check that place out. Sounds like it's going to be a real rager there. Uh, but tonight we are here to talk about the 2000 film Gladiator, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, greatest actor, uh, Richard Harris. And uh, this movie is a spectacle for the eyes that mixes equal parts blood, sweat, incest and motion blur to tell a vaguely historical tale of greed and vengeance in the Roman Empire. 
And since Bo has now seen this movie twice, I'm going to assume that he would feel comfortable starting off our discussion tonight. What'd you think? Bo? Sure. Um, straight up, I've probably seen this movie a lot more times than two. Um, because when it came out, it was at a time in my life when DVDs were existing. And <laughs> everybody loved Gladiator. Everybody loved Gladiator. And we mm-hmm. would just get it. It was probably... 20 bucks to buy i'm sure i owned it or do own it and yeah it was just at that time it was one of those movies that like everybody saw it it was like titanic it was like i don't know probably like romeo and juliet or forrest gump and all that that string of movies where you're like jurassic park everyone just saw this movie um so when you picked it, I was a little like, oh, are we doing this? Are we going to do this? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But you guys said you hadn't seen it. I was like, all right, you know, let's see if it holds up. Um, you know, Ridley Scott's done a lot of films and he's all over the place, but really does action well. He did Blade Runner and he did uh, Alien. He did, uh, well, other films, this film. Um, and I think this was the first film that Russell Crowe really came onto the scene like hot and heavy, like as the star and Joaquin that little baby Joaquin. Um, so, uh, so the cast and the director, they know what they're doing. And I think this film watching it on its, you know, whatever 22nd anniversary, which is mm-hmm. insane to think. Um, it's kind of wild because I feel like it holds up. I feel like the film does hold up. Uh, in the sense that it is your classic Hollywood action sort of like drama. And there are parts that probably are cheesy or just a little too far. But at the same time, it isn't all the way through. It It, it is actually a solid story of one man trying to get revenge slash redemption in a way and being beat down by the man. and. It's an interesting film. It's 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 conniving and it's clever and it's brutal and it's predictable, but it's not completely predictable. Like especially in the end of the film when Joaquin goes, "You know what? I'll fight you out there." It's like that's to me I almost felt like no he would never do this. He would never do this because he he's not going to win. He just can't. Why would you put yourself in that situation even right. to get hit once? You shouldn't do it. But that's the spectacle of this movie. You need that kind of moment. And I thought it was, you know, for a 2000 action film that has some meat and potatoes of a drama in it and you feel for these characters, I thought it, I thought it was pretty great. That's, that's my short answer. Okay, okay. If that movie came out today, if that movie came out today, I would want it to feel a little different. Um, some of the flashback scenes felt like, like we were going into the underworld truly. And it was like, okay, this is kind of cheesy, but like, how else are you going to show that into that? They were trying to show something new, you know? Mm -hmm. And ultimately I thought they, they did a good job of creating Russell Crowe as the hero and this noble person who never, who never does anything, uh, to gain himself some sort of like leverage other than he's just a fighter, you know, while Joaquin is like a conniving little worm and would do anything to fuck everybody over. So it's just good versus evil. 
honestly. And, and, and I can accept it in this film. Okay. Ian, you look like you're ready to go. Let's hear it. He's revving them engines. Uh, this is probably my early nominee for this upcoming grouchy award season of uh, maybe good then does not hold up now. Like good then, mm. terrible mm. now. And overall, I did not like this movie very much. But I'm trying to recognize like what did I think there, there was good elements of it. And I'm almost repeating what Bo said. Uh, one thing I wrote down was this past week, Vince McMahon retired as WWE CEO. And while that retirement is amidst a lot of scandal and probably a lot of sexual harassment payouts and whatnot, what Vince McMahon did really well with the WWE was cultivating the very simple storyline of the hero and the heel, the hero and the villain, good guy versus bad guy. Keep it simple. And yeah, that's like the big thing that stood out to me was Joaquin is a great villain. Like he is a bad, unredeeming, unlikable character that, yeah, there's some reference to like, it wasn't hugged enough as a big kid. You didn't love me, dad. Okay. But you are, you are vile. Like we all are rooting for your comeuppance. We are all wanting Russell Crowe to kill you or some poetic justice. So they did that really well. And I also think Ridley Scott, I think they executed and nailed the turn and the reveal. I thought that was an awesome moment of in the arena, show yourself Spaniard, show yourself. And we're like, we're all loving the moment where he turns around, where it takes off his MF doom mask. And it's like, <laughs> in his eye, Russell Crowe, you know, and you're like, that was great. That was a great moment. Yeah. But there was a lot of bad and the bad, which again, I will concede had I seen this 20 years ago, part of it is it's hard to, you know, we try our best to not, you know, judge things by when they were filmed. But in general, movies from the late 90s, early 2000s, that CGI does not hold up well. And those scenes where he goes to the underworld or flashback or he's like dead and going back to his wife and kids were like, oh my God, that is so bad. And we saw when we watched Heat, like, those that like backdrop of the Pacific Ocean was like, you you can't oh, yeah. unsee it. It's so bad, but <laughs> yeah. I get it. But at the same it, yeah, at the same time, it's like maybe that was the best they could do. Right. So we can't discredit them. Yeah. Once you get the technology and then they use it like that, it's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like yeah. what the fuck? Right. So I, I I'll give some grace on that, but the other problems that I had with this, um. I'll just point out two things. I mean, one thing is like, and this is this is a little nitpicky, but I just thought like the fight scenes though, actually with Russell Crowe did not seem well prepared or well trained. And I was just kind of like, he kind of looked like a drunk dude swinging an axe out. They were really slowed down. If you really watch it, I think there's so many other action movies where you see the stars. Like nowadays you'll see like, Chris Evans or somebody like training for eight months in the gym and like learning jujitsu and like learning all this stuff. And Russell Crowe just seemed like slowly walking through the motion, swinging a big axe or big sword. Now, apparently he like broke his hip, broke his ribs, broke, like had so many injuries during filming, but I just didn't find those scenes believable, obviously. And I know it's a big action movie, but in particular, I was like, you don't 
seem like a guy who trained for this role. <laughs> and I have a question only... on that, though. Because, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm no yeah. uh, Me too, Roman too. history expert, but, like, I kind of get the idea that the, the, the extent of the training would have sort of been, like, learn how to block and use, you know, get strong and fucking swing this sword faster than the other guy. Like, I don't, I don't get the idea that there would have been a lot of like artistry involved in that. Sure. <laughs> I guess just I just found the fight but... scenes. They were slowed down so much that it looked like choreographed dance, which I get it. That is what it is. Mm. But it was like, there were certain moments that were so ridiculous. Like when he's fighting like the giant dude with like the lion mask, they're like, you're gonna die like you're not like there's a couple things and i get it and it's maybe my own biases against action movies and i i will accept that that like yeah. i just don't love that kind of shit and finally i'll just there were moments regardless of cgi regardless of stunts or scenes that i was like laughing out loud that were not intentionally comedy and specifically, like, when he's dead and they're burying the figurines or something, and, like, mm. Jimun Hansu is like, I will see you again in the afterlife. I will see you again. Mm. All that stuff. I was, like, cracking up in hysterics when he was burying sure. the figurines. And, like, there was a couple scenes like that. Like, Joaquin's, like, I thought the writing also was, some of the writing was garbage and there's like some scene with joaquin where he's like i'm vexing i'm vexed now i'm so vexing he like repeated <laughs> the word vexed twice and apparently yeah, russell crowe yeah. like during filming russell crowe told the writer like this is a heap of shit and if you didn't yeah. have good actors we're the only reason it's saving the movie because this writing is shit but yeah so again i would agree with you joaquin russell crowe great performances kind of saved this movie um for sure in my opinion and you know there was some fun action bits but overall i did not feel like i just felt like maybe it was just like kind of a weak year for like movies in 2000 because i was like this one best picture i mean and people did love it it was a phenomena yeah but i think it was like i think it was the the Jurassic Park of its year. It was huge. That was just sort of like, like, holy shit, like this is a great action. It's sort of that moment where you go like, this is why I come to the movies for this mm -hmm. big spectacle. And yeah. honestly, if you watch Ben-Hur, is it going to hold up today with all of its everything? Or do we just love it because, or we love any old movie. Do you love uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes because it's really good for today or because there's something about a movie from that time that's so alluring it's both. and it's both. like it's a solid fucking you, musical yeah okay and, and, and maybe it is but i'm just saying i'm just saying like a lot of times we give credit to older films because they look sure. so cool they uh -huh. look so interesting and 2000 and is not old enough so, to get that right yeah it's not it's not the coolest time and also 2000s version of rome it might be a little like whatever but I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if like I hear you though, and and I do want to say acknowledge and concede. Like when watching this, I wonder if twenty years from now, like a generation after us, so this will be like their Lawrence of Arabia. When we all watch Lawrence of Arabia, we're like really, like this was like considered one of the greatest movies of all time. It's like kind of lo long, kind of slow and boring, but like at the time, people were like, look at this epic shit. Like they're filming in the desert, and like, with this right. movie too, it's like they built like giant coliseum sets. Like the elaborateness of this, like. You know, and I, I recognize that, that just kind of sometimes it's hard to judge it from when it came out and the importance of it at that mm -hmm. time. But, Britt. 
Yeah. Um, I guess I'm a little bit in between you guys, which is, uh, you know, a common hey. thing. Uh, <laughs> cause I, I, I can recognize Let's go to like, Roman AD. Fun, like, you know, Russell Crowe, he asked a fair question and yes, I was entertained. Like, you know, this movie's two and a half hours, something like that, I think. And I don't really remember a part where I was kind of going like, "Ugh, all right, like, come on, let's go, you know, move it along. Like it was entertaining action, spectacle, all of those things. Um, but and, you know, the predictability that you mentioned, Bo, it's like, yeah, generally I can be like, eh, whatever, it's action, it's p- predictable, that's fine. Uh, but if I go a step beyond that, I think that there are some things that I'm just like, what? Why? Like, I'm mostly I'm really confused about uh, Lucilla, the sister of Commodus, and we'll get into that incestuous thing in a moment. But um, like her motivations throughout this to to help, to not help, to betray, to not betray. Like, I really don't understand why in that scene and great fucking scene, by the way, uh, in the Joaquin Phoenix department where he is telling his nephew this story of betrayal and just staring through mm. the soul of his sister, very clearly saying like, yeah. I found you out, bitch, you're fucking done. Um, that's great. But I don't understand why in that moment, her character like, why would you not just go like, all right, well, I can either betray this whole plan and everything goes to shit and we're probably all going to be either dead or fucked for the rest of our lives. Or I can just sit here and say nothing and maybe he'll kill me anyway. But then at least like the plan will be able to go through. Like, I don't understand her motivation in ruining the whole thing and then like deciding that she'll just continue to live in this awful life with Commodus and having no control over her own destiny that just didn't make any sense to me but Mm. um the 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 main question that i have for you guys is uh (laughs) what what did you make of that incest shit and was it supposed to be like were we supposed to get the idea that the character of commodus was kind of like a i don't know he almost came off like creepy serial killer to me like he was so far off the deep end that like i don't know it just almost felt like we didn't even need the incest for for him to be creepy as fuck but then like they really took it they took it far they took it real far i think there's a lot of incest and just rampant like boy fucking and little girl fucking back in that time and i think that the truth is he's an unlikable character and there is no reason he he's obsessed with being loved which is Mm. the one thing he's never really gotten sure and so i think yeah he could have a room full of as they say who was but uh i don't think that he would be satisfied with that i think he needed that the love of his sister because it's the only thing he ever really had even though it wasn't there and so she i i mean there was no scene where she was into it she was like mortified of this idea right yes so it's like you've got the situation where he's just fucking off the rails and trying to take advantage of everybody and wanting to have what he wants at all times and i think that just if anything if you weren't on uh russell crowe's character through the whole movie if that wasn't enough for you uh threatening to kill a child 
and this woman is like, well, now now this guy's got to go down. We've got to see this guy die for real. Sure. Um, so if anything, I, I, it adds weight to that. And with the incest with the sister, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Commodus hates Maximus because, like, well, not only did his dad love him more, but then obviously his sister loves right. Maximus more. That, but that brought up another just kind of negative for me with this movie. It was, like, the unnecessary kiss between Maximus and Lucilla, where I'm like, yeah. like, I, uh, where did that come from? It just kind of came out of nowhere. And it was almost like, you know what movie audiences need? We need the big romantic kiss. And it was just like, yeah. they dated like 10 years ago and then like both had marriages and their spouses are dead. And like maybe Russell's is dead like two months earlier that I was like, I don't know. It just kind of seemed out of place. Yeah. Well, I think that's, but it was pushed example. by her. She, sure. It was un it was not consensual. <laughs> they didn't have consent back then. It, it wasn't invented yet. Um, but I think that's a Russell's great example. Hashtag of how men too. This <laughs> this movie <Maximus> too. seems <laughs> to <laughs> This movie seems to fall victim to like the very point that it seems like it's trying to make. There's all these lines about you know, entertaining the people of the Colosseum and their thirst for violence and mindless entertainment and just appeasing the people and all this shit. But then, like, it's trying to make that point, but then it seems like much of this film is doing that. So, yeah. like, I don't mm. know. If <laughs> it just seems meta. like if I'm... Maybe, if that's, I, maybe that's the irony. Yeah. Yeah, somehow I feel like it wasn't intentional, though. Somehow I feel like they were trying to make that point within a summer blockbuster, which you're you're doing the very thing that that you're trying to make a statement about. But, you know, maybe it didn't come across so uh, mindless entertainment-y back in the day, but but I find it hard to believe that it wasn't there to some extent. Mm. Yeah. Bo, did you see this in the theaters? I know Britt and I had not yeah. seen it. Oh, you did see it in the theaters. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was the, that was a perfect time for me to see every single film that ever came out in the theaters. <laughs> so, because there were a lot less films coming out in the theaters, it was like this movie this week, next mo week right. we got two movies, the following week one. Now it's like fifty-five movies came out this week. It's like, oh, what? And so, there was no yeah. streaming services or. Yeah, no, Gosh, you what went. What a magical you, time! You did it together. I think we should go back. Right. Let's Just, do it. So Build early a time internet. Machine. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Two girls, one cup. Got this. Oh, this is before that. This is pre-YouTube. <laughs> was that so wow. wild? So wild. Yeah, YouTube was like oh four. Not to totally got off track, but <laughs> you know, I kept looking at Russell. I I, I kept looking at Russell Crowe in this role, thinking like, would he be a star if he started right now? Because mm. he's fine. He's fine. It's not that he's not good in it but like he doesn't i don't know he, it's almost like i would compare him to someone in today's day as like tom hardy and i could see tom hardy playing that role but tom hardy has in my opinion like so much more like i don't know russell crowe always seemed like a kind of a funny hollywood star to me he was in a beautiful mind right yeah and he was in uh he was in the good guys yeah, and, and and in that movie you've got you've got a different take, right? Cinderella man, you do comedy, you can do drama. Oh, yeah. the nice guys. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. the nice guys. Um, yeah. So 
he does have he does have the ability to do other stuff clearly sure. i just wondered i kept looking at him going like huh he was just that brute man and everybody at the time wanted to this the manly man and i i could just see all the gym bros being like that's my favorite movie <laughs> i would imagine <laughs> that was sure. a very popular halloween costume uh oh, oh my god yeah. just, in college yeah well uh that that was rome ad we did that was it rome. We went to the club we saw Gladiator in the theater, uh, and if nobody else has anything to add at this moment, I will move us on to trivia. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> get your little emoji hands ready. As always, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one worth one point. The second worth two. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. All right, question number one. In addition to Gladiator, Ridley Scott is known for directing hit movies like Alien, Blade Runner, and Thelma and Louise. But in the 80s, he directed a big-budget commercial that Advertising Age put in its list of the 50 greatest commercials for which technology company? And Bo had his hand up before I was even done asking. Bo, what is that company? Uh, that is Apple. That is correct. Yes. The famous because 1984 I'm, spoof. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Ian. You I got knew that, this. by the way. I knew Not that. Not mid-question. Not fast enough. <laughs> I did know that one. You Come said on. what 1984 commercial? I was like, in, done. Here we go. No, that's how good you are. I just said in the 80s because I figured the 84 was the too obvious. Yeah. In the <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a you know, Diet Pepsi commercial. I mean, I hope so. can, with Britney time. Spears. With Britney Spears. Oh God. <laughs> uh, all right. Question number two. Free Britney. At the 2001 Oscars, Gladiator had big wins, including Best Picture and Best Actor. Which film and winner in the foreign language category beat out Gladiator in the categories of cinematography, art direction, and music? Ian. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Congratulations. Oh. That is correct. Oh. oh, are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not entertained? <laughs> All right. Cleaning up that trivia this week. I like it. I, I want you guys to succeed. You know? That's all I want. So I'm glad glad that we accomplished that. And since we have finished trivia, that means it's time for some scores. Bo, you started out our discussion. Would you please tell us what yes. you rated Gladiator? Yes, absolutely. So I do feel this film uh, holds up on many ways in that blockbuster action drama Uh I didn't I didn't scoff at it. I was if anything just thought a lot of times like, okay, we've gotten better at this or we've gotten better at that. <laughs> but like at the time, it was was a, a an epic success and a a cool story to see. I have changed as a movie goer in what I really enjoy about films and I think at that time I loved spectacle uh or just you know, was changing from uh, watching spectacle to more drama and, and really trying to understand the story. Um, all that being said, I do think this film 
is worth watching. And so I gave it a 7.5. Okay. Ian, give us your fantastically surprising score, if you would. I have embraced my inner Commodus. (laughs) And uh, we're going with the dark Ian on this one. Ooh. Uh, I really didn't enjoy this, but I crept in with a six out of 10. I gave it a six because I thought more about it. And, you know, we've often joked about Joaquin Phoenix being the best actor of our generation. I do think he's an incredible actor. And I think it's worth seeing if not just like, because I really do believe like if you watch throughout this film, he almost like gets better and better and better. And like, he's like really early in his career. And I'm almost like, just if you like a musician, if you like an artist or something like it's worth seeing this as part of their catalog. Like this is the beginning a bit of him developing his chops. And I think it's worth seeing if nothing else. All right. I like that. I can get behind that. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, is it entertaining? Sure. Does it hold up? Not in absolutely every way. Uh, but as we said, it's got some great acting and the spectacle of it all is always at the very least, you know, some you should see. So if I'm going by Ian's pass fail, uh, I gave this a six. Wow. <laughs> wow. Gladiators. Wait, wait. So can I be clear? Uh, can I be clear? Ian gave this a 6.5. A six. Six. Oh, okay. And you gave it a six too. I did. But you liked it. This this is where the scale is tough. Because I'm like, I was thinking about my score going like, should I have given this an eight? Because if he hates it and it's a six, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's pretty good. I think it's worth watching. And it's got good actors. And there's there's something here. Uh, it seems like a, a one and a half point. It seems like not enough, you know? So I'm I'm almost I'm almost looking at my thing is like maybe my understanding of what a seven point five is is wrong. So huh. I'd like to bump mine to well, an eight and say go out I there and watch Gladiator. I don't think you should base it off of Ian's score because his scores make no sense. I said I enjoyed uh, it. I did. I just thought, and we mm. didn't get into like too many of the technical details, but I there were some mm. things that I thought very much like aged it in the like art direction department. Um. And I just think, yeah, it's like, it's very basic. It's just action spectacle, like easy peasy, predictable squeezy, you know, I like think the, no bit, like, I, I, I do want to talk up, I do want to talk about this a little bit more because I feel like if we're basing this off, it didn't age well, or the special effects weren't that good. It's like, I don't know. Like then I, I no, start to challenge. I'm not talking about special effects. I'm talking about like, I really, really hated all of the scenes with uh oh like surprise the fucking little kid from life is beautiful but like the scenes where it showed his family like in the afterlife and all that shit Uh, i just thought it mm -hmm. just it looked weird it felt weird like i just like there were choices like that i didn't like any of the like slow-mo blurry shit in battle it just felt out and i understand why you wouldn't like that i also didn't bring up like when he's when he like intuits or just hears in the wind like my wife and son are being murdered i better speed up this horse like what the <laughs> fuck was that like what the fuck he's like chasing to save his family like come on that yeah. was stupid mm. 
I think we're coming off of a time of the the late '90s where everything was getting like really, for again, lack of a better term, the '90s were kind of like grungy, right? Everything was like, like almost like this new neo punk sort of like look in graphic design and in the way that we did special effects, and it's like. Yeah, they probably could have, and we've seen it in so many other ways since then on how to, quote unquote, film the afterlife. But I didn't, I didn't love that. But I also don't think it's something that that cuts the story or cuts the movie down because that's what they did at the time. That's what they were doing. They were trying to just depict that this is not Earth. This is not now. This is some other place. These are these people are dead, and you don't know, sure. even know what that looks like. So it could look like this. I hope not. I, well, yeah, I hope not either because I hate the slow motion and then the speed up and then the music and the clouds. It's like whenever they take that camera and they both push in and zoom out Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's like that kind of stuff does sort of like, unless done really well, can make it feel like, hey, you just learned this new camera trick in the late 80s and early 90s, you know? (laughs) I mean, they did it in Jaws. Um, But. I, I honestly think I, I I'm just wondering, and I'm not saying that you guys are wrong in your own ratings. Everyone can have their own rating. I'm just simply going like, huh? It's interesting to hear that that's why you're rating it a certain way. It's because not. The it's also the cheesiness. Was, the and acting the was basic good. Basic story. Yeah. Hmm. The acting was hmm. the main saving grace. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe was right on set that some of those lines truly were shit. For real. For real. You sold me two queer giraffes. Yeah, I I remember listening to that part and going like, "Okay, this is that definitely, that definitely." But it's it's the same thing as like, you know, a a movie from the fucking fifties that you're like, "Wait, why do we have blackface? This is come on, guys. Why is there, you know, even uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? uh, Britt said she just watched that, and there's a moment where he puts bullets in a gun and he shoots the bullets, and the the bullet comes out as an Indian. It goes wah 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 wah. It's like, ooh." uh, Maybe we yeah. can't do that now, but that was '89. That was '89, and it, sure. we, we hadn't had the the open conversation that an Indian, quote unquote, a Native American, is then called an Indian, and then it's like that this was just okay, and and it isn't okay anymore. But like, doesn't make that movie less. It means that it was it wasn't at that place. It wasn't there. But you know, we've but you know when we talk about this, you know time period where things were more acceptable but we've all watched movies from a certain time area that just are they hold i was just talking about uh whatever happened to baby jane or who's afraid of virginia wolf that are like 1962 or whatever and yeah they're they're groundbreaking and they're telling stories that you watch it 20 you know 50 60 years later like oh okay so it's still like People were making right. films that weren't doing that, so it's clearly the choice of a writer, director, and a studio. Whatever, that's fine. Um, and again, I wasn't like thrown off by you sold me two queer giraffes. You know, I was like, no, I just kind of chuckled. But it was just stupid. It was just like a bad lie. Yeah. I was just like, all right, that's just, <laughs> and it just was yeah. to, to me. I don't, I don't damn this or you know punish this movie too much for outdated special effects. I don't punish it for bad CGI or things like that. I, I am hypercritical. Like, this is like shitty writing. Like, this is just like, mm. and apparently when they started yeah. filming, they had 35% of the film written or something. They were just like, uh, all right, yeah. like now, now there's going to be an instant Film scene, some action. Whatever. Uh, wh- yeah. What did you <laughs> say? Some film some action. Around. 
Yeah. Feel some action. You guys just throw your swords around. Yeah. And and I've heard stories like that too about movies. And unfortunately, when a movie like that then wins the Academy Award, it's like, ah, what you did is you just solidified that like if you don't have an idea, just try it anyway. And it's like, <laughs> ah, I'd really like it to be a little bit more thought out. Yeah. So I'm not I want to make sure that you guys understand I'm not arguing against your scores. I'm kind of arguing at like what and how we rate our scores from your perspective. Because my 7.5 is like, it's passing, it's not bad, it's just not amazing. And you guys at six point or six, I was just like, wow, I thought you guys were gonna come in at like a four. I'm saying, I'm saying it's good, not great. Six, you know, yeah. three out of three Got out it. of five stars. I, res yeah. I respect your scores. <laughs> What's hard for me, and I'll be honest, and our listeners probably sh should tune off now because I'm just describing my mental approach to rating films but i was like what i'm struggling with right now is like i probably have overinflated ratings for a lot of things and then i'm trying to like this is the first week i was like i should i should probably make this a five i didn't really like it that much but i've already set a precedent where i've like <laughs> but i rated sweet sweetbacks at a six yeah i can't yeah. i can't say this is better one yeah I know. Yeah. I know. I made mistakes. I, I confess that I made a big mistake with Sweet Sweet Bass. My favorite, my favorite though, is you made a, this, this, this mortal sin, right? You made a huge mistake at a 7.1, and then you pulled it back to a 6, which is like not that big of a jump. Like you didn't go like, actually, I was way off. I should, that should have been a 4. Because then it's like now you have a little wiggle room, but you're like a 1 point? Whew. Maybe he'll Good come in you, next buddy. week, bring it down to a five, you know? Just Maybe we'll have a yeah, gonna... Maybe I'll make a special episode reviewing every movie that I rated. Oh and like, we should, we should recalibrate that. <laughs> There's going to be a full concession stand episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a full episode where you're just like, uh, we're taking this movie from a six to a 6.2, and we're dropping this film from a seven <laughs> to a four. Yeah. That might happen. Can't wait. Uh, okay. Well,. That was awesome. I'm glad that we were able to talk about Gladiator and all of its great successes and failures. Um, you know, we love being here. We love talking to you. And uh, we also love uh, not talking to you and not being here. And that's what we're going to do next. So, as always, to all you out there from all of us, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. It vexes me. I'm terribly vexed. Okay, listeners, uh, continuing in our theme of big blockbusters, uh, we're going to Detroit Rock City this week with 1987's RoboCop. It's directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, can't wait to fight crime. See you next week. Cinema Film Club is brought to you by Shit Show Media. Make sure you check out all of our upcoming movies we'll be talking about on our Instagram at Movie Cinema Film Club. If you have an opinion, a comment, or a movie you think we should watch and discuss, email us at moviecinemafilmclub at gmail.com. This week's episode was written by Ian Chofe, Brittany Everett, and me, Bo Hufford, and it was edited by Brittany Everett. Remember, support your local cinema, don't spoil films, be oh so quiet at the movies, and for the love of God, choose to read subtitles and boycott film dubbing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.